This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan-Nathan and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Ward Keller, the Territory Law Firm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Territory Story Podcast, episode 150-something, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh you so about it, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh you can hear in the background, to, together with a commentary, is my co-host, uh, Peter Gowers, who is happy and healthily living in the Territory. And nice and warm, which I can't complain about. So what does it feel like to be back up, mate? Uh, it feels good. A few days now. I, I was I was actually wondering, as I walked off the plane, I was thinking, is this going to feel like being slammed in the face with a hot oven, or is <laughs> is it going to just feel semi-normal? And I've got to say, I was really pleasantly not smacked in the face with an oven. It just felt nice. You know, it's warm, of course, but it was just yeah. really nice and comfy. Well, there is a bit of a breeze happening, I've noticed, in the yeah. as well, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I would agree with that, definitely. So, um, uh, yeah, no, it's good. I haven't seen any storms yet or any rain, but no doubt they'll come. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, oh sorry, there's been no rain since you've been here. No, no nothing. Okay, you missed out. We had some pretty big storms uh, a little while ago. Yeah. But, yep. uh, that's always good to... Uh, when they come along and uh, fill up the pool and, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> make the garden green. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, but I will say that, um, you know, there's plenty of things that are typically, typically territory, uh, mm. none more so than the wonderful array of mangoes that we've been enjoying. Mate, how good are those mangoes? Oh. Hey? You sort of forget, and it's not just mangoes, uh, as, as you know and as I've mentioned a few times, I started this trip in Brisbane in quarantine and Mm -hmm. um, I immediately noticed on the first morning when when they dropped off my breakfast, Mm -hmm. it instantly hit me just how much more tasty the fruit is in the warmer areas. So, you know, we had honeydew melon and rock melon and and pineapple and stuff every day. And uh, so then since landing down, touching down here in the Territory. Oh, man, the mangoes are sublime, aren't they? I mean, it just, for me, um, the greatest thing about mangoes is it just makes you love the build-up. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah well, it'd be, it's a very good way of looking at it. You've got to find a, a plus in every situation. Um, it's, 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 I mean, seriously... We just had, what, four mangoes yesterday, right? Straight up mm. with dinner. Yeah. Now, I just want to, I want to ask, answer this question. <laughs> you know, pound for pound or whatever you call it, ounce for ounce, yeah. is there any fruit that you have tasted that has more flavour? No, well, no, no, there's definitely not. And, and, I mean, thanks to you, partially, I'm, I'm now a lot more educated about the different varieties as well. So, no, there's not. It, it's, it's uh, I mean, I like sweet things. So, you know, if you get the ones like we've been having, there's just, there's nothing more natural but more sweet on the planet. And the taste is just, it's so strong but so nice. Yeah, you can get a strong taste in certain foods, but it doesn't taste that good. But no, they're, they're, they're sublime. That's the only word I can use. And, and, and you know, that, that cliche to die for. 
Yeah. I mean, really, it's pretty apt for those mangoes, isn't it? Mm, mm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Good thing is, though, of course, that as we've discussed, that uh, most people only seem to know the Calypsos and the Kensington Prides and, and maybe the Bowens. So the, the ones that you're... Uh, the ones that you're exposing me to, let's keep them to ourselves so they don't run off the shelves. <laughs> well, I've got to give a big shout-out to uh, Tan Tai, who is a Vietnamese accountant here in, in Palmerston yep. uh, with Vita Gustafson and Associates. Um, Tan kindly delivered a, the box of those Nam Doc Mai mangoes. Mm. And, uh, yeah. That is the best present I've had all year, mate. <laughs> well, it's certainly the gift that keeps on giving, that's for sure. And, and, and just to try and explain the scene for, for anyone listening, uh, you know, we sat down for dinner over the last couple of nights and, and, you know, beautiful dinners from curries to, you know, just beautiful dishes in, in general. And certainly a lot more adventurous than I'm used to getting at home, that's for sure. And I just, I can see from second number one that Leon's only mission is to get through that so we can get onto the mangoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, we've been keeping our guests patiently waiting in Scotland. So uh, I think it's about time we introduced him. He is a big fan of, of the podcast, which is very flattering for us uh, mm. both. Um, and, you know, we uh, like to head overseas from time to time. And so we have been uh, corresponding uh, with this next guest um, who, who uh, enlightened us with the, with the fact that he is an Oscrophile. Mm, he has been here many, many times, including the Territory. Mm. So that qualifies him to be on the podcast. It does indeed. And therefore, let me introduce you and the listeners to Mr. Neil Anderson from Edinburgh, Scotland. Hi there. This is uh, really exciting to be on the podcast and connecting with the Northern Territory, although more obliquely than I would like. It would be great to be there and have some of these mangoes and being a bit tortured. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'll just have to make do with my Tim Tams and my Bundaberg. Oh, Neil, you are amazing. Yes. He's, got, he's got the Tim Tams there. He's got the Bundaberg uh, ginger beer. He's got a koala and a cockatoo behind him. <laughs> and and Neil, put your they're not real. They're not real. Put your hat on because I am going to make, I'm going to put this video up on our Facebook page. So for anyone listening, check out the Facebook page and you can check out Aussie Neil from Edinburgh. I'm styling Neil. myself on uh, the Rex Airlines advert guy. I love Just it. hold, uh, exactly. Just hold up those, uh, those, those, uh, that food that you just held up before <laughs> and drink. No. Yes. So are they the orange Tim Tams? What, what flavour? Oh, yeah, ah, they're a crafted collection. Oh, look at that. Right. So have you done Picked the Tim Tams? Picked them up in long earlier this year. <laughs> oh, the drink it through thing? Yeah. yeah. I've not tried that yet, actually. Yeah. I like the Tim Tams as they are. <laughs> well, you see, back in the day, Neil, uh, Tim Tams were only ever one straight flavour. So mm. you've got the... Uh, the added benefit these days of they're everything from white chocolate to, you know, Jaffa uh, flavoured like to caramel to everything. But um, yeah, yeah, no, you, my favourite is double choc. 
That's oh, yes. like my absolute favourite. No, I should explain how I get these things. Uh, there's a yes. website in the UK called Sansa, which is South African, New Zealand and Australian product that you can get in the UK. And quite a lot of it's sort of nearing its sell-by date, so they've got it cheap from the source country. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. And, uh, my wife and I made, made a, a, a fortunate error uh, recently with a purchase from them. They had three, they had, they had, Packets of Tim Tams for ninety nine pence, but uh, and so we ordered uh, five packets. Oh, that'll do us. But it turned out it was three packets for ninety nine pence. They were that edged to the closing oh. date, so we got fifteen <laughs> packets. So that's why that's why I've still got. I'm still eating Tim Tams. Here. Mm. And uh, and given the business model, I'm thinking it's either a, a Kiwi or a South African that's behind that because Aussies aren't yeah. that smart to do that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when it first when it first started, it was wrapped up in uh, I think New Zealand newspaper, but uh, they've, 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 oh, the business has developed a lot since then. So there's yeah. a free advert for Santa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Pete, you know, you're always thinking about business models. Yeah, you know, you got the Chinese coming here buying up vitamins and stuff like that. What if, Baby um, powder. We start, uh, yeah. Why don't we start this uh, Tim Tam exports to the <laughs> UK? When I first lived in Dubai, Leon, they <laughs> used that to, D word again. <laughs> <laughs> the D word. There used to be a website, and I'm pretty sure it was homesick.com.au, and right. we used to order boxes of. Tim Tams, Vegemite, Minties, Twisties, things that are, you know, uniquely Australian. And uh, I used to think at the time that was such a, such a great idea. Um, but as, as Neil's just explained, I don't think there's a lot of profit in selling three packets of Tim Tams for 99 cents. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a labour of love, I think. Oh, that's that's just me being a typical Scot and looking for the one pound bargain. It's actually, it's actually a part of the website. It's the one pound bargain. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Neil, um, why don't you give us your uh, your story? Oh, uh, well, start with a connection to yourself, Leon. Obviously, it's it's, it's the legal legal connection. Uh, so, I, I work as a, a commercial corporate lawyer. Bias towards the commercial work. Um, I'm uh, currently in a firm called Rooney Nemo, which is based in Edinburgh, but has a, a, an office in uh, London as well, which I'm associated with. And it stretches out internationally to uh, New York, uh, San Francisco, that's Palo Alto, Silicon Valley, and we've got affiliated offices in Hong Kong, Beijing, and Shenzhen. But uh, I've only been with the firm about six months, moved in lockdown. Uh, prior to that, I was in a firm that was uh, associated with yourself, Liam, through law. So that's how, how we originally connected. Um, Work-wise, uh, the commercial sort of activities I deal with, you could say, are day-to-day -day business support, sales and marketing related, uh, which touches into intellectual property and uh, joint ventures, some what I consider to be sexy relationship activities with regard to supply alliances and distribution arrangements between different businesses, which uh, is something I particularly like engaging with. And uh, with regard to that kind of activity in sales and procurement, it's taken me from my desk around the world. So uh, I've done work in uh, most continents from my desk in Aberdeen or Edinburgh, or 
now London and uh, the downside of that is literally is just from my desk I've not traveled I've not had to travel anywhere uh, apart perhaps across town <laughs> to deal with any work uh, my connections through you with largest going to the conventions and uh, you know my own travels around the world that get me get me away from my desk and so were you were you born in Scotland Yep, I was born born in Edinburgh, uh, but I grew up in a, a village outside of uh, Edinburgh, outside of a town south of Edinburgh in, in what I would refer to as the borders of Scotland. So it's rolling hills and sheep and uh, all very nice uh, looking countryside, but not the highlands, uh, which people might think mostly about Scotland. Uh, you've, got, you've got to travel up to the northwest to get the mountains and the the barren sparseness of what's going on up there. And so how far is Edinburgh from London in terms of uh, driving time? Well, I've, I have popped down to London for meetings in the afternoon and come back that night. It's just four and a half hours in the train down to King's Cross and you can walk from there down to the BBC Regent Street in about 15, 20 minutes. So. Wow. Uh, and the population of Edinburgh? Uh, but I think it's the catchment's quite big, but there's about, I think, 250,000 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is sort of sensible reference to Edinburgh, but Glasgow's just a half-hour train ride away, and there's you know two million people over to the west coast, five million in total mm-hmm. in Scotland, and it's all quite small. As a uh, you know, when I, uh, I worked in Aberdeen and Glasgow, and I used to commute from Edinburgh to Glasgow to work, and I've commuted as such to Aberdeen. It's a bit further away; it takes about three hours to drive there. Um, and I would stay up for a few days and work and then always circulated around Edinburgh being my primary residence. So you're born in Edinburgh, you, you've, still, you've lived there your whole life virtually with, with a bit of a stint in Aberdeen. Yep. Uh, and you married? Uh, yep, uh, married. Jill, uh, we're neither blessed nor burdened with kids, which is how I've managed to travel quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that changes the dynamic a bit. It does, it does. Right, so that will explain the uh, the extensive travel that you've done. Yeah, I've been quite fortunate. <laughs> one one of the reasons being, when I was a a partner in another in another law firm two back, I had the opportunity to use what amounted to seven weeks holiday a year. Well, which, that was part uh, of the deal. Yeah, you could I could make seven weeks out of the holiday entitlement because of you know using it over. Easter holidays and bank holidays and patching weeks up sensibly like that, Christmas holidays and New Year holidays. So, uh, yeah, that was that was quite a luxury. (laughs) And so, you, you, uh, where have you been? Uh, I've pretty much uh, been to now uh, all all the continents apart from Antarctica, (laughs) 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 which is just uh, extremely fortunate, particularly in the, the current climate. But uh, yeah, we first came out to Australia in about 2003 uh, for a you know what was supposed to be a once in a lifetime quick mm-hmm. trip round round Australia, uh, but that really sucked us into the bug of we want to go and see a lot of the world, uh, but primarily a lot of Australia and New Zealand, if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Only one. So, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, and just in the uh, the last, fortunately, in the last sort of 12, 18 months, we were in Louisiana, at New Orleans, 
we were uh, in Cambodia at CM Reap for a week, just hanging out there. And earlier this year in March, we were in uh, New South Wales for a big road trip. Wow. So which, were you, uh, took were you here when it all kicked off, Neil? Lots of good places. Sorry? Were you here when it all kicked off in March or did you get out before? No, uh, we left uh, on our trip um, early, uh, end of February for a three-week trip. So we were leaving at a point in time there was obvious issues to do with COVID and Mm. what might happen. And we took the view that while it might develop, we'd be happy to get stuck in Australia. (laughs) So uh, we we headed off uh, and uh, came down uh, into what became a sort of a developing scene for yourselves because mm-hmm. it was catching up with you uh, a bit at that point. So we're keeping an eye on it. And as we traveled around, we, uh, we did, we did obviously watch the news and see what was going on. But the trip we were on was pretty much taking us out into what we would call the outback for those, mm-hmm. those weeks. It was very small, small places that we were heading to at the end of the day. But when we got back to Sydney, uh, we were staying in Potts Point for the last two nights, and I uh, was watching the Ruby Princess come in and dock. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we've got hol- our holiday pictures of photos of the, the Ruby Princess and the Sydney Opera House. <laughs> it's the best way to view the Ruby Princess from totally <laughs> off the ship. Yeah, we were, we, that, we were very fortunate to the day we left was actually the day they were disembarking, so we were heading to the airport as they were unloading themselves onto the dock and wow. we got the flight back to London which was the flight before anybody that got off the flight off the off the boat were trying to fly back to London on the same flights as we'd been on so mm. it's fortunate we got away yeah gosh and they obviously they started we were watching the news seeing the news about closing down flights which happened pretty much after we left sitting in uh, Byron is it Byron Bay the one that's just behind the airport we're sitting on the beach there Oh, mm. Behind the airport, that's not Byron Bay. Byron Bay is really far up north. Yeah, no, that's not it. It's, is it Bondi? Whichever one's. <laughs> it bond, it, no, the one further, just right, literally next to the airport. We were on the beach there, isn't it? Oh, that, um, Brighton La Sands? Around that zone, yeah. Just yeah, okay. uh, sitting around, what, listening to the news, seeing if our flight was actually going to go or we were going <laughs> to get stuck. So it was that kind of touch and go to get back. Yeah. Uh, so what, what was your news source of choice at that time, Neil? Who were you watching or listening to to keep up to date? It was still the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. No. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for right. CNN or Fox to be mentioned there. Uh, we, we, just whatever we could get on the internet. <laughs> and so... Um, Tell us about uh, Scotland and the UK right now. We've been hearing that there's been some sort of second wave or something. Yeah, there's there's well, there's second wave of restrictions and lockdowns certainly coming through that are, are beginning to get quite severe uh, across many parts of the UK, but they're trying to do certain local things. In Scotland, we're, we've had a, a tougher regime from the start and a lot more restriction than, than the rest of the UK. So the concern is obviously if if the case numbers go up they get concerned but I think the issue is some of the hospital numbers attending hospital have started going up so Mm. obviously the scientists advise pretty you know 
severe safe advice from their point of view to, so that they're saying, yeah, you've got to do absolutely to the nth degree and the government's kind of has to take that on board. Uh, but I do think what we're seeing across Europe generally is, you know, the effects of having strict lockdowns and then opening up, which apparently, you know, and by the looks of it just causes a surge after a certain period of time, that locking down and is is perhaps just pushing things around and making it surge later on. So the focus seems to be how do we stop having an overload of a health service? And uh, that seems to be what we're trying to do is lock down just now to spread the cases out further again and keep uh, keep the health service from being too overloaded with regard to dealing with COVID cases. And is Scotland uh, having a different experience uh, of COVID-19 to the rest of the UK? Uh, not really. Uh, the differences we suffered from were uh, release of hospital patients to care homes. They hadn't tested the, the people that were geriatric going back into a care home situation because they were taking a sort of emergency view. They had to clear out the health service centrally to deal with a, an upsurge in COVID cases, which fortunately didn't really come because of the you know restrictions. Um, but there was a view that Scotland was doing better by more severely locking down than the rest of the UK, but because of that restriction being lifted, we've had a, a perhaps more significant upsurge in what, what they talk about as being the R rate, the recurrence of it through mm -hmm. people recently. So the, the chat there has gone away from saying, oh, Scotland's done a better job to actually the reality is looks like you know, whatever restrictive actions you took across Europe, it, it comes back and kind of averages out eventually. Mm. If you, know, you haven't completely controlled it. What's the general consensus about um, the UK Prime Minister? What do people think, think about him? <laughs> I think people think he's, a, he's, he's still a bit bumbling and not as hands-on as perhaps some politicians would do would appear, but a lot of it's presentation, I think. It's a very difficult situation for any of the politicians to make a decision as to what to do when they're getting scientific advice as such from selected scientists, and they're making statements which are obviously saying, if you ask somebody the, a question, what's the most we can do, they'll tell you what the most you can do is, and it doesn't necessarily take a holistic view as to what the rounder impacts are with regard to economics or other causes of death, so mm. I think they're and they get attacked if they don't do what the scientists say, and they're now getting attacked if they, you know, if they do do what the scientists say. So mm. I think it's an extremely difficult political situation to, to deal with, but I just think we need to take a more rounded view as to what, what's going on, because there was a, it doesn't creep into the media but too much here, but there were as many suicides. There was more suicides last week than there were COVID deaths in Scotland. So mm. we've got to watch, uh, you know, what's going on. And there's been a whole heap of stories coming out now that basically we shut down the NHS to protect it for dealing with COVID cases, uh, which, as I say, we were restricting to prevent them uh, inflating. But uh, we haven't been dealing with, you know, millions of cancer tests across the UK that should have been done and there's going to be a flow through of potentially you know lack of healthcare deaths further down the chain or just reduced uh, life uh, opportunities and uh, standards for people 
uh, further down the chain because of focusing on one factor as a, as a particular political focus. So there's a whole, it is a very difficult situation. Um, and we obviously do need to be a lot more careful than you guys do generally because of the, the numbers of starting point cases we've now got. And, you know, we're, we're all taking care with regard to some, some basics generally. Uh, but perhaps there's an issue that some people haven't been as careful with the basic things, washing hands, keeping distant. They got a bit too close together again and not taking, mm -hmm. taking as much care as we could. But uh, I don't think one of the stories we've got is just the up and down, left and right, sideways changes and what the restrictions should be and how what we need to do. And it's just upsetting things economically and it's upsetting people's thinking as to what they need to do. Um, I think it could have been handled better if we just said, to everybody, keep washing your hands because this seems to be the absolute basic thing that really helps. Keep washing your hands and keep away from people. And if you're seeing somebody, just keep that distance with whatever setting you're in with them. Uh, we're obviously using masks now in quite a lot of places. Um, again, there was a significant debate about that because you're touching your face to put your mask on and off and whether it actually reduces much from, you know, the general outcome I, I, I don't know but certainly stop somebody else sneezing on you which is going to be a good thing <laughs> well that's a good point there neil and I, you and i haven't discussed that but your favorite uh, doctor here the one the coronavirus guy i think dr norman swan yep way early on in the piece he said don't use but don't bother using masks it's not going to stop anything uh it's just a waste of time uh, you know, don't don't bother with it. Now it seems that you know masks are important. Although my understanding of a mask is it is supposed to protect other people from getting it off you, rather than to protect you from getting it from other people. So the whole basis for wearing a mask is to stop you from coughing and, and spluttering over someone. Um, as opposed to you actually, as opposed to protecting you from getting it from somebody else. What, did, is that, uh, Neil, do you have a yep. different... Well, uh, my, I've got some medical people in the family. Right. <laughs> and some scientists in the family as well. And, uh, the, you know, the, my, my sister's a dentist and my brother-in-law's a dentist. And my uh, sister-in-law is a staff nurse and my brother-in-law is a paramedic. And the comment they make is putting masks on and off properly is not that straightforward. And having the right standard mask is obviously crucial. Uh, I think uh, one of the things that uh, I know it, it concerns me, I think putting a mask on is good uh, in certain situations. I'm certainly happy to put it on if I'm going into, if I have to go into a public toilet. <laughs> I've, however, mm -hmm. I've, I've seen people take their masks off to go into a public toilet, whereas that's probably the riskiest area because of the you know, toilets and water and splashing and hand dryers, mm. and that's where it, aerosols uh, are generated, and that's probably one of the riskiest areas. So I think we, the media is missing, uh, the governments are missing out, perhaps shouting people saying, if you go into a toilet, even at home, whatever, that's a severely uh, concerning space for contamination. So keep your toilet seats down when you flush the toilet, keep your masks on when you're in a toilet. Um, that, so 
I'm a, a huge fan of masks if I have to do that. <laughs> well, I think, well, you know, my view is just to keep away from public toilets full stop. That's the standard <laughs> set of rules, is it? <laughs> That's it, mate, yeah. <laughs> Got a few All more days. choices than the fish, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you, uh, how, how many times have you been to Australia? Well, I did my research. It was more than I thought, actually. Eight trips, probably each of about three weeks. Between mm. 2003 and 2020? Yeah. That's an astounding number of trips. That's more than I've done. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I say, when we came in 2003 for the first trip, it was a skip round. Uh, it was one of the, it was on a boomerang fare that uh, Qantas offered, which was just really good value. So we got a flight, you know, down via Singapore into Sydney. We had time in Sydney. We went up to Cairns. We flipped over to Darwin and then down to Perth and then home. So that was a really great taster. Yeah. And uh, I, it was actually my wife that was really keen to come. We've got some. Again, I'm, when I did my research, I'm amazed how many Australian connections I've got from different angles these days. But uh, my wife had a school friend who left primary school to go to Adelaide. And so we were always, she was always interested in getting to Australia and having a look at it. Unfortunately, we couldn't fit Adelaide in on that trip. So there was always a, we'll probably have to go back at some point and mm-hmm. see, see our friend in Adelaide. But uh, I wasn't that bothered. I was just thinking, I'll be hot. I won't like the heat. I'm quite happy here in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't really like like I don't I don't really like the sun and I burn easily. Uh, so I thought this is just going to be a nightmare for me. But I absolutely adored it, and particularly getting out into Litchfield Park. Oh, right. Mm. That, uh, I just I was just. Absolutely amazed. I was just chasing the animals, looking for everything. Excited even when I found a red-backed spider. (laughs) 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 So I just absolutely adored it. So I thought, this is great. We'll have to do more of this. And after a couple other trips where we've, you know, we've filled in the next one, we actually came within a year. We were back within a year and went to Melbourne, Adelaide, Canberra, Sydney, did the Great Ocean Road, Barossa Wines. Phillip Island, Kangaroo Island. So uh, again, that just s- cemented the deal that we we really enjoy uh, being in Australia. Um, and thought about you know moving out, and so some of these trips were like, oh, where would we stay? We'll go and have some a look somewhere else. Where would it be quite nice to stay or spend some time? It always crossed your mind whenever you went to uh, one of the new places. Um, and back in 2008, um, when the, the, I was looking to, to move job, it was, uh, uh, I was looking for opportunities to do something, uh, something different, which is when I moved to the firm that I've connected with Julian through. Uh, I did actually have a chat with an Australian law firm who were interested in the experience I had uh, and were keen to give me a job. And I was going to move to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. and do that but uh, it wasn't so easy for my wife Jill to find a job she's a, a property lawyer in Scotland and the 
crossover opportunity for her was uh, much more difficult to find something appropriate to do. So we ended up uh, backing from that and I, I, I took a job eventually somewhere else in, in, the, in Scotland. So uh, the reason why they were interested in me was I was quite fortunate in my big break when I was a, a, a very junior lawyer, just newly qualified, was to advise Scottish Power and ManWeb, which is the Manchester Power Company, on how to sell gas and electricity in a deregulated market where they were allowed to sell gas and electricity to consumers across the UK. Uh, and that I think around that 2008 time, I forgot the right the right period, um, or it might be slightly earlier. Uh, I think the same sort of process was happening in uh, Australia. So uh, that was that was the the, the, the linkage there. Mm, right. but, uh, but our thinking was when we analysed it, when we thought, well, if we actually move out to Brisbane, to the Queenslander house with the pool that I'd already found. <laughs> uh, it was a good exchange, it was a really good exchange rate at that time. That <laughs> uh, we thought the ramifications of that would be that I was concerned that at that point Australia was becoming, oh, well certainly legal fraternity, that too many of them had been to London, they were getting too aggressive, they were just trying to work too hard. So I thought I'll have to work a lot. <laughs> uh, I, won't, I won't get the, I won't get the access to the beach that I might expect, <laughs> and uh, if the holiday entitlement was really weak compared, you know, it's like you're sort of two weeks, which I was getting seven where I'd been. So, <laughs> as I mentioned, so uh, I thought, we're if for the small amount of holidays we'll get, we'll either have to go back to the UK or somebody will visit us, and we'll not get out into the South Pacific and Asia mm -hmm. and around Australia like we we think we will. Uh, so I thought lifestyle actually might not pan out quite the way. So what we'll do is just have more holidays, take the times we get holidays and see more of Australia that way. And on the basis of what I've done, I've certainly seen more of Australia than most of my Australian friends that oh, yes. I've spoken to. Mm. So where else have you been in Australia? Uh, I've been around Hunter Valley, uh, Port Stephens, Newcastle. Mm. Uh, I've been up to Coolum, Noosa. Hervey uh, Bay, Lady Island, Fraser Island. Uh, I went to Clare for my fortieth birthday. Clare, South Australia. Oh, okay. <laughs> why why did you might have noticed I've been to all the wine areas. <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, <laughs> I've spent a, a Christmas at uh, Margaret River. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. did, uh, you hang, did you hang ten there? You've been up to the pinnacles. Uh, it was pretty quiet. I didn't. Have <laughs> we we, uh, we have. I have tried surfing, but uh, that wasn't very successful. My wife was very good, at it, but I, uh, I I get seasick, and it was horrible. <laughs> How do you get seasick on a surfboard? Oh, as a child, I got, I got sick on a swing. I can't use. I couldn't use swings as a child. Oh, bouncing in the sea it was just horrible. Absolutely horrible. Right. Mm. So yeah, I've been around Perth a few times, Swan Valley. And uh, yeah, just hanging out there. But the last trip in March was an interesting one because we were trying to fill in gaps. So we we went uh, from uh, you know we landed in Sydney, but we went straight down to Wollongong. Yes, uh, hung out there and then headed up via Boral to uh, Canberra, over to Wagga for some lunch, and then up to Hafe um, to go and push on a bit further into Lyra Denmark. So again, wineries there. And we then went 
you know, Mildura, Broken Hill, we tripped to Silverton uh, through uh, Wilcania with the river from oh. the water. Wow. Uh, and Cobar uh, went to get a picture of the big bogan outside Cobar. Double <laughs> went a wee trip up to caves to go in the caves there, which was great. Uh, Yeovil was a favourite stop, tiny little village on the Wake Parks Observatory where we went to the Banjo Patterson Museum. Oh. And uh, that was on the way to Bathurst. Where my, one of my favourite things in Australia is, it's the Australian Fossil and Mineral Museum. It's a really beautiful museum with amazing uh, geological uh, minerals and, on display in a really interesting way. Then we headed over to the Blue Mountains de- and then over to Etalong uh, and went over to see uh, the Home and Away set. On the <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> was, uh, just, just to end it with the most typically. Uh, British yeah. thing to do that you could do. <laughs> yeah. I don't, it, I've not watched that much Home and Away, but it was, it's just a thing to do. But it was a beautiful yeah. little location to go to. Ferry yeah, over the boat was surprisingly choppy <laughs> for my bad sea legs. So <laughs> uh, that was uh, that was just really good fun. And as I mentioned before, down to Potts Point, we were actually trying to go to the Sydney uh, Opera House to go to. A sh- that was a specific thing we were trying to do, but it got shut uh, because mm. of the restrictions. So we have you, to come back and do that, Jill's already saying. Yeah. So, so you came after the fires had started? Yes, the fires, I right? uh, was aware of that, yeah. And uh, fortunately it started the, the growth back that it had started. So uh, I picked up some uh, uh, charity coffee in Wulongong, a really nice coffee place that were selling mm. coffee off to make, raise money for the bushfire appeals. So, mm. uh, yeah. We were aware of that when we were coming. Did you find some of the Australian town names, uh, you know, interesting to try and learn how to say? <laughs> I find that the ones that I notice are the things that are obviously Scottish. Okay. And the, as the original source, that's what I find particularly interesting going into mm. uh, places such as Perth, uh, the, the, the town where I, I grew up near um, it's called Dalkeith, and there's a bit of Perth which was highly priced, and mm. they called it delightful Dalkeith, the housing, and it's like it's like quite a it's a sort of quite a contrast to Dalkeith, which is just a small commuter town in Edinburgh. <laughs> 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 but uh, I mean, I, I find the outback and these smaller places actually the, the the places that appeal to me when I'm travelling around. I find you know interesting things to to do there. Uh, mm. It's partly because the village I grew up in, although it was near Edinburgh, it was just 50 houses, two farms, and the local school. Uh, I moved from a, a primary school in Dalkeith, which had about you know, an enrolment of about 1,000 pupils, to a school where I was, there was only three of us in the year. <laughs> so it was, it was very rural for being you know just half an hour drive into Edinburgh. So. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I incline to a simple lifestyle. <laughs> I was just going to say, some of those towns, um, you know, you're talking about in, in western New South Wales, like Cobar and, uh, you know, I mean, Dubbo's not exactly remote, but Parks and Forbes and these areas. I mean, you know, I, I don't know about you, Leon, I, I dare say you would never have been to any of those places and so many Australians would never have seen or been there, but... You know, they feature in movies such as The Dish, 
But, you know, it doesn't get much more typically outback Australian than these places. Of course, that's my initial linkage to Australia is all the film and TV that I've seen. <laughs> I mean, even when I, when I was growing up as a kid, uh, at lunch times, uh, I, would, I would see the Sullivans. <laughs> I, loved, I absolutely, absolutely loved that as a kid. Absolutely loved it. Oh my goodness! Oh, I was just going to ask you: Have you been back to the territory since two thousand and three? Yeah, uh, uh, we did a, another one, which took us over to uh, two thousand. Yeah, a few years later, uh, about two thousand and six, went to Uluru. Right, uh, which was. Not the experience I was looking for, so we're 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 it's on the list to go back and do the you know expensive glam glamping. Right, right. right. Uh, the, what my comment on that was was uh, we flew into the airport at Uluru, mm. so we just landed at the airport, drove to the hotel, and did some tours around. Really enjoyed the tours up to Kings Canyon, and we did a base tour. Uh, around Uluru, and that was that was really really good stuff. But the clouds came in, so and, and I've heard you talking about the the stars again in the outback. I've not oh, really yeah. had that experience because it was cloudy, and uh, oh. Uluru. I've got up at, uh, very early in the morning uh, yeah. to see the sunrise, and it didn't happen. <laughs> oh. So, so uh, we've we've still got that on the list to do properly. Right? Mm. Yeah. Look, um, although. Although it was there, I realised I could work and do this, you know, work uh, remotely from wherever I wanted to be, doing whatever I wanted to do, because I was stuck in the hotel there. Uh, and uh, early in the morning, before we did that tour, my wife was holding up my BlackBerry while I revised a contract with a client. Over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, if I can do that here. I could surely just uh, could work anywhere in the world. Well, <laughs> do maybe. What I do. Maybe that's what. The, maybe that's the future of work, Neil. Maybe with all it's when these restrictions. Up me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe uh, you know when these restrictions are eventually lifted, people will realise that they can work anywhere in the world, and there's no real reason for them to be, you know, bolted to a desk somewhere in some office. Yep, certainly more of that coming. However, having done that for years, sitting in my house here, I'm less socially isolated than normal because my wife's here. There's two law firms operating in my house, <laughs> but, uh, so I, I'm now disturbed because she uh, does, you know, private client type work. So she's always dealing with people and speaking to them, whereas I'm trying to sit there quietly and write things. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, so I'm actually going into the office to get away from the lack of isolation at home. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, uh, having sort of been the almost length and breadth of Australia, uh, and sorry, by the way, did you get to Tasmania? Oh, yeah, I've been to Tasmania. Yeah, of course, uh, say hello to Michael, your colleague. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. I, caught up, I caught up with Michael in my Tasmanian trip, yeah. Tasmania is actually, I, I thought it was by far the easiest living yes. in Australia. Jesus. I thought that Cold. Easily, no. Well, no, like I, I didn't mind that. I was quite lucky. We went to Pump House Point, the really nice hotel that's on the island there. Before it was famous, we managed to get there before it started getting awards. So. Right, <laughs> that was really nice. Yeah, well, Tassie definitely has the best apples, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Yeah, that you go on about your mangoes. I we bought off the street bar mm -hmm. and we bar apples. I, I I've never tasted an apple like it, yes, and I keep. Yes. To see what it was, it had a funny 
funny name that I can't quite remember, yeah, which yeah. is, and you definitely don't get them here. I'm hoping that's a slight benefit of Brexit. We'll get better fruit. You get your mangoes and get uh, <laughs> get your apples into the UK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem is, but Neil, that you've done this more than anyone. The, the, the time it takes to get the fruit from Australia to the UK, you know, they can freeze it, they can do all sorts of stuff with it. It just doesn't taste the same as getting it straight off the tree. <laughs> and I can tell you firsthand, having lived in the Middle East and, and having eaten uh, fruit and veggies from all around the world, uh, the problem is in the snap freezing. It, it does something to the taste because by the time it gets off at the other end, uh, you know, take the mangoes we were talking about earlier, you, you'll lose 50% of the taste. And you'll probably still say they're fantastic, Neil, but it be nothing like getting them, as Leon says, straight off the tree. Mm. Well, we are fortunate here where, the, where my wife comes from. It's up in Perthshire. And that's where the raspberries and strawberries and uh, just uh, like cherries, cherries grow, and, and they are just fantastic. You would, uh, you would yeah. love the love them, uh, Leon. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, when you talk about raspberries, strawberries, uh, it, it reminds me of San Francisco. Um, the uh, fishermen's markets there uh, by the jetty. I don't, I don't know if you ever got around there, Neil, but. Yep. You can yep. smell it a mile away, Pete. <laughs> you know, and seriously, um, that the flavour—it's like you're eating these mess strawberries. And I'm saying to Cindy, why don't our strawberries taste like this? This is ridiculous. This is amazing. This flavour. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so. You need to get Scottish strawberries from. Right. Yeah, yes. Probably the best. Well, I'm no fan of Australian strawberries, let me tell you. I, it, it's very rare that you get a pint of the strawberries here that actually taste sweet and delicious. Yeah, they're also very expensive. <laughs> right, the other right. thing that put us off the food costs in Australia pretty high. Yeah. So, so, right. So what, you think it's cheaper in, in Scotland? It's cheaper, it? yeah. Yeah, it is cheaper in Scotland wow, for most of, the, most of the food items, yeah. And and so, uh, strawberries normally grow in summer here. What about in Scotland? Uh, yeah, we do have a summer. <laughs> <laughs> Those yeah, three days are the them, best strawberries ever. Yeah, although a lot of them are growing under plastic cover these days, you know, in tarpaulin uh, tunnels, polytunnels. Right, right. So there's a lot of that uh, going on these days. I had no idea Scotland actually grew fruit. Oh, yeah, it's... A, it's they are the best fruit anywhere in the world. Get good prices for wow. it when they sell it abroad. Oh, a lot nice. of Scotland's got really good produce, uh, but we tend to sell it to the French, or <laughs> the Italians, or the Spanish. <laughs> Get a good price for it. We don't eat it that much locally, although that's changed a lot. Uh, yeah, one of the things is better, and uh, one of the reasons for leaving, you know, 15 years ago was Edinburgh wasn't that great for. Coffee and things like that, uh, but there's been so many Antipodeans come to Scotland now. We've got Australasian-inspired food and restaurants now, and coffee shops. And I get a, if you go to the right place, you can get a, a coffee that's almost as good as you get in Australia. So wow. it's got a lot better here, so I'm a lot more happy being here. Some when I'm not on holiday in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so, I mean, I, I don't drink coffee. Uh, Pete, is the coffee here that good, is it? So Australia is um, uh, well-renowned for a type of coffee called a flat white. And, um, you know, if, if you drink a milky coffee, the, the flat white is lauded after in the UK and in the US. So, but, yeah, Australian, Australian coffee is, is pretty good and we make good coffee as in, you know, the baristas are very talented as well. But it, what, what's your coffee of choice, Neil? I, I like a flat white in Australia. I've not quite got it here perfectly. Yeah. There's one or two places that are pretty close, but I, you order a latte and it's near enough a flat white. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, I don't know who I came do up with it, but it, it's uh, world renowned now, the flat white. <laughs> yep, no, right. it was, I remember catching it when it first appeared. <laughs> oh, that, that is great. Yeah. Right, right. Well, Neil, um, very interesting to have you on the podcast. Very interesting to hear your Australian adventures. Um, it's not often, Pete, that we've had someone. Who's, uh, who's such a big fan of the country. I think uh, probably Andrew Stoltenberg comes to mind as the last Austrophile. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um, and is, uh, the, the happiest I ever saw Anders Neil was when I visited with him in uh, Copenhagen and uh, brought an Akubra for him. Uh, you could not wipe the smile off his face. I, he, he honestly thinks he's slim dusty. <laughs> I've got it on my my list of things to go a bit further north in Port Stevens the next time. Go to the factory and get myself one at the factory. That's, mm. that's on on my list as well. Right, right. Well, I think you guys you should uh, try and uh, hook up with Neil and uh, with um, Anders, and both of you <laughs> should should come out. I think uh, he'd love that. He'd absolutely love it. Yeah. No. Uh, we're. We were trying to get out, but clearly there's a lot of restrictions. <laughs> yeah, well, the way our government's talking, the borders are not going to open till probably close to the end of next year. Uh, they're, they're saying that uh, effectively until we get a vaccine, they don't really want anybody to come in or leave the country. I, th I think I can be I can be Anders with regard to my Australian connections because I figured out and realised that uh, my youngest blood relative is an Australian. Right. Mm -hmm. my, cousin, well, my cousin came out to Sydney to work and ended up uh, getting married to, uh, to an Australian and little Angus who was born a year ago uh, is uh, their first son. Sorry, his name is Angus? Uh, yeah, ferociously Scottish. <laughs> but his yeah. name's Angus. Well, Pete, do you, do you have any Scottish sort of connection or is Angus just something you named him after a, Mac, a Big Mac burger? I can't believe you've never asked me that. He's four years old. My first concern is for Neil's youngest cousin because if your Angus is anything like mine, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my wife's father was born in Edinburgh, so, yeah. We, we, we have the Scottish connection, which is why we've got the Angus and the Archie. I see, I see. Right, right. Yeah. Well, um, no, Anders, Anders will say to you that his Australian connection is through his queen. 
Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, but, we, but we share the queen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got to be careful who you say that to, Neil. <laughs> that's right. We, we, we had the number one Republican on the podcast not that long ago. Yeah, we, we tried to offer her not that many years ago. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I don't know. It's, just one, of, it's one of these things. I don't know whether Scotland will beat you to it. You never yeah, know. Yeah, true. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Yes. Uh, Scotland, they're still uh, unhappy about Brexit? I mean, where are they at with that? Uh, Brexit is what it is, and there'll be obviously some shakedown at the end of this year, see what happens. I think there's, there's ruminations that there might actually be some deal or arrangement. Um, it's all messy as, as it usually is with, the, with some European negotiations. So uh, we'll see. We'll, we won't know what's happening until, until it happens, but uh, with regard to some of the work I've done in the, the, the businesses that I deal with, they're dealing with bits of the world that don't have, uh, you know, the simplest arrangements, bits of Africa, uh, mm. where, you know, you, bizarrely, the, the business still gets done and it still gets sorted out. Uh, so it's not, it's just one of these things, we'll just have to get through that process and get to the other side of it and re rejig what we're all up to. But uh, I, I do think it's interesting with regard to some chat that's been made about closer connections with you know, Asia pack type situation and see what we can do with with connections to uh, Australia. Um, the, you'll obviously have seen Tony Abbott pitching up in, in the UK to get involved with things here. <laughs> he's trying to make somebody else. He's trying, he's, trying, he's trying to give away another knighthood or something, is he? <laughs> I think it was. I think it's just an indication that they're trying to do. It's get out of one situation and get into some new relationships. I think that's really just signalling that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll see how we go with that. But uh, Neil, great to have you on the podcast. Uh, thanks for uh, obviously tuning into the to the series, and uh, hopefully there'll be more um, Scottish people that. Um, find uh, the territory story uh, interesting yeah i've got I've got a friend who uh, bought uh, malcolm turnbull's book last week so you can report back he got some ah. <laughs> sales on the back of the podcast he got one well and neil i've got to say um i think you yeah. are the only male that i've ever spoken to who was desperate to get to bathurst and uh, was not <laughs> interested to get there to watch the V8 supercars. Oh, the car. <laughs> so, well done. I've been to the Formula One. In, I've been to the Formula One in Melbourne a couple of years ago. That was uh, that was enough cars for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, Neil. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me along. It's really nice to connect with you guys. You too. That was Neil Anderson on the Territory Story podcast. We'll catch you again next time. You've been listening to the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story Podcast on all leading podcasting platforms. The Territory Story Podcast, thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.